0: Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So today, I want to talk to you about how to receive the promises of God. Um, I haven't counted them, and uh, I have read on more than one occasion that there's 7,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know how many there are. Let's just say there's only 1,000. No matter what your need is, there's one that covers your case. There is a promise that covers your case. And we're going to talk about how to receive. So I want to start with Hebrews chapter 11. Now, this is kind of like God's heroes of faith. But it's not just showing us something that has happened. It's letting, uh, th- this list is supposed to like ignite faith in our hearts that there is nothing that is impossible with God. Hebrews 11 verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, in some translations say justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, and turned to flight the armies of aliens. Now I want to draw your attention to that thirty-third verse: Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, obtained promises through faith. Now many people don't realize that God has made many promises in the Bible. In Second Peter chapter one. Verse 2, it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. So there have been given to you exceeding great and precious promises. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, it says, All of the promises of God are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, God gets glory when you believe and receive a promise. God gets glory through us, and every promise is yes. Yes. When you say yes, God says amen. So be it. Every promise belongs to you if you're in Christ, if you're a believer. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says that if anyone is in Christ, they're a believer, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now notice his divine power has given to us. Most Christians Believe that we need to talk God into doing something. We need to talk God into healing. We need to talk God into a miracle. We need to talk God into saving somebody. We need to talk God into doing stuff. Right? But the truth is, He's already done it. It's not what we, we've got to talk God into it, He's already done it. Right? So everything that God has done, we call that grace. How many of you know, you did, if you got what you deserve and I got what I deserve, you'd go to hell, I'd go to hell. That's what we deserve. But that's not what God did for us. He did stuff for us we do not deserve, right? We call that grace. Everything that he's done, he's done by grace. Now, what has he done by grace? Listen to this. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything about your natural life, everything about your spiritual life is covered. He's done it all. We're not going to talk him into it. He's already done it. And then when we're trying to talk him into it, we're missing it. We have to understand it's done. But the way we receive it is by faith. And notice what it says, exceeding great and precious promises. That's how we receive what God has already done for us by grace. But we receive what he did through faith. So, I'd like you to, if you, if you have a Bible, or if you've got your device, look at Luke chapter 4. Um, it's going to be up on the screen, but I, I like to see it right in front of me, personally. Right? Luke 4, 16. So, he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. I want to mention two things. Notice, first of all, that Jesus' custom, or his habit, was to be in church, Best habit you could ever have, right? Being somebody says, yeah, but my my friends want to, you just tell them right after church. They want. We're going to do something after church. Put God first. That was Jesus' custom. Now, notice it says that he stood up to read. Now, what we're used to in in, uh, Western culture is we're used to a pastor standing up. But in Jewish culture, let me tell you what they did. They stood up when they read and they sat down to preach. So I just want to be like Jesus. I'm sitting there. All right. Verse 17. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, to recover his sight to blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. And he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, Jesus is actually grabbing hold of a promise. And this is what he finds the place where it's written. So he didn't just go anywhere in the book of Isaiah. He found that particular page. He knew what he was looking for. He was looking for it, and he found it. Um, Through the years, praying for people, people will come up, and they'll say, I want you to pray for me, and they'll mention a particular need, whether it's provision, healing, peace, just whatever it is. And I've often asked this question, uh, what verse are you standing on, or what verse are you believing and this is what people say more often than not. They'll say, well, none in particular. Well, this is what you're going to get. Nothing in particular. And You say, why is that? Because God does chapter and verse. The Bible says he confirms the word with signs following. Somebody said, well, you never know what God's going to do. Honestly, that is not true. We know exactly what God's going to do. He's going to do exactly what he said in the Bible. That is what God is going to do. He is going to do chapter and he's going to do verse. Right? In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, for I'm ready to perform my word. One translation, God said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Psalms 138, for you have magnified your word above all your name. In other words, if God does not do his word, he's not God. He's watching over his word to perform it. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God is going to do the word. So if we're going to receive something from God, we need to find where it's written. We need to find the promise that covers our situation. now... Everything that you receive from God, whether it's salvation, whether it's provision, whether it's peace, whatever we receive, you receive it, first of all, in your heart. In Romans 10, it says, for with the heart, one believes. Where do you believe? In your heart. That's where you first receive. You will never see it on the outside until first you receive it on the inside. So first, we've got to believe that promise. That's what Jesus did. He found the promise. He read that promise. And then this is what he said. Today, this scripture, this verse, these verses I just read, they're true. And they're not just true. They're true about me. About me. You see, that's how you claim one of the promises of God. That, that, that verse is true, but it's true about you. And it's true about you today. In Hebrews 11, excuse me, 10, it says, Therefore, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, when it's saying the promise here, it's talking specifically about the resurrection of the dead and the eternal kingdom. So he says, don't give up. You have need of endurance said, but then you will receive the promise. But it's not just true about the promise. It's true about every promise. Right? Don't cast away your confidence. If you don't see something immediately, don't give up. He says, there's a great reward and you have need of endurance. Now, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. So there is going to be a time often, often there's a time between you and you believe and the manifestation of the promise. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's like you plant that seed of God's word. There's time and then there's a manifestation or there is the harvest. In Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter, Mark gives an account of also when Jesus went back to his hometown. We just read what happened uh, in in, in Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter. Well, here's what Mark said. He said, Jesus said to the people of Nazareth, he said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, Jesus calls himself a prophet. It's important that we remember that. Most people think Jesus did all the miracles that he did to prove he was the son of God. But Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus emptied himself of all of his privileges and all of his innate deity. When Jesus ministered on earth, Jesus ministered as a prophet, as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do also, and even greater works than these will you do. If Jesus did everything he did because he was the son of God, you and I could never do anything Jesus did. But if he did it as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, then what Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do also? And even greater works, it's possible. It's possible. In fact, Jesus expects it of us. So he said, I'm like, I'm a prophet. He says, you're not accepting me. And it says there, he could, now he could. I want to say that again. He could do no mighty work there. Uh, when when I, I was young, we went to church, we went to Sunday school, and, and I, I was told, you know, that Jesus, he could just do anything. But here the Bible says not that he would not. It says he could not. He couldn't do any mighty work, except it says he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. I believe it's E.W. Vine's expository dictionary that says that they had minor ailments. I suppose it was a wart and a hangnail, something like that. It wasn't big things. He couldn't do anything big. And why? Because of their unbelief. Now, was the promise for them? Yes, it was. But did they receive it? No, they didn't receive it. Because of their unbelief. So to receive the promises of God, of first again, first of all, we need to believe. When a man brings a boy to Jesus who has seizures, the man said to Jesus, he said, if you can do anything, please help us. Jesus said to the man, if you can believe. See, the man was saying, Jesus, it's up to you. And Jesus said, no, it's up to you. Now, we don't like that because we just want to say, God, whatever you want, let it happen. If, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. That is not true. That is not true. So Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And this is what the man said. He said, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. So here's what this guy. had. He had faith, but he also had unbelief. Right? And when that's the case. It's like our unbelief is pulling on one side and our faith is pulling on the other side. And whichever is stronger tends to win. So we have to deal with that unbelief. Well, the Bible tells us what Jesus did. He went about in a circuit teaching in all of the villages and synagogues. So the, the, the cure for unbelief is Bible truth. The cure for unbelief is Bible truth. The Bible says we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. But the things that are seen are temporal, subject to change, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So here's how it works. You never receive anything from God on the outside until first you receive it on the inside. Right? First we receive it. The Bible says with the heart, man believes. You believe it on the inside before you're ever going to see it on the outside. So don't cast away your confidence, right, which has great reward, has great reward. You have need of endurance, right? So here's what so often we do. Instead of coming to God with the promise, we come to God with the problem, right? Um, I'm going to give you a genie story because I'm I'm here and she's not, so I can tell on her. So this was years ago before I was perfect. That is funny, <laughs> right. but uh, she was she was com- she was talking to God, and she was saying, God, He doesn't do this, and God, He doesn't do that, and God, He does this, and God, please do something because this is where he, this is what He's doing. And the Lord spoke to Jeannie and said, Would you quit complaining? She thought she was praying, but she wasn't praying; she was complaining. You see, so often we're telling God about our problem. God, my problem, it's so big. God, my problem hurts so much. God, my problem costs me so much money. God, my problem, my problem, my problem, my problem. God knows about your problem. He didn't say, bring me in remembrance of your problem. He said, put me in remembrance of my word. Right? So we need to bring the problem, not excuse me, not the problem, but the promise to God. And in Psalms 103 in verse 20, it says, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding to the voice of his word. They do God's word, heeding to the voice of God's word. Now, it's in the book of Revelation that says when Jesus comes back, there's a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Right? I love what Rick Renner said. He said, one edge is when God says it, but the other edge is when you say it right? You need to say what God says. You give voice to God's word. And when you give voice to his word, the the, the spiritual realm begins to move. In fact, the Bible says that angels begin to heed. Angels begin to move when you give voice to God's word. In uh, Numbers chapter 23, it says, when he says something, he will do it. And when he makes a promise he will fulfill it. When God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. But what do we do? We need to begin to say what God says. I think that's why David said in Psalms 91, he said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Psalms 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to begin to say what the word of God proclaims, belongs to To us, right? In a real sense, faith is voice activated. I've mentioned this before, but this was 20 plus years ago. I was going someplace to preach, and I don't remember where it was. And um, I was going to use the restroom, and I went in, and and they, they had just redone everything, right? And so I went in, and I was getting ready to leave, and I went over to the faucet to wash my hands, and there were no keys on the side. They were gone. And I thought, I know you had problems with your budget, but you really should not have left off the keys. You know? The faucet was there. No way to turn it on. And I'm just looking at that thinking, what's, what? Oh, in Spanish, they're keys, but in English, they're handles. They're handles. Okay. The handles. All right. (laughs) Perdóname, Juanita. Okay. So so I'm looking for him, and a guy comes up next to me. And he just walks over there, waves his hand underneath that faucet, out comes the water. And I thought, now that's cool. (laughs) Motion activated, right? But faith is voice activated. That's why the redeemed of the Lord need to say so. That's why David said, I will say of the Lord. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Right? As you begin to confess that word, the promises of God, the supernatural realm begins to move. Now, in Colossians chapter one, it says, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, you may feel like you don't qualify. And the truth is, again, if you got what you deserved and I got what I deserved, we'd get hell and nothing else but the Bible says God qualified you. You're not qualified because of your greatness. You're qualified because of Jesus' greatness, because of his goodness. Uh, The Barclay translation said, who made us fit to receive a share of the possessions which he promised, Which he did what? He promised to his dedicated people in the realm of light. We have promises from God of things that belong to us. In Colossians, chapter, excuse me, 1 Corinthians, chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So literally, God gives us the Holy Spirit so that he can reveal to us the things that Jesus purchased for us the things that belong to us, right? Jesus said to his disciples, you know, except you be converted and become like little children, he says, you cannot see the kingdom of God. How I many you know little children, they just believe? They don't try to figure it out. They just believe, right? That's where we've got to get to. Now, recognize that as a believer, you have an enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse nine, resist him. Every every blessing that God wants to have in your life, there is an enemy who comes to kill, to steal and destroy. And he will stand against it. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. As being part of the kingdom receiving the blessings of the kingdom there we have an enemy and we need to stand against the enemy. The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. Now in Luke chapter 13, we find Jesus in the synagogue. It's the Sabbath day. He's teaching. He must've been sitting down, right? Okay. Verse 11 and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years now, not all sickness is demonic, but some sickness, its root cause is demonic. And in this case, the root cause of the curvature of her spine was demonic. A spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said to her, woman, you're loosed of your infirmities. He laid his hands on her and immediately She was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, Think of it, 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. So Jesus says she ought to be healed. She ought to be loose. And the reason is because there's a promise. She's a daughter of Abraham and healing belongs to Abraham's seed. Galatians 3 says, if you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. She ought to be loosed. You ought to be loosed. Healing belonged to her. It belongs to you. Right? But you've got to know the promise. You've got to stand on the word of God. But you are Christ and you are Abraham's seed. See, David said it this way. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He said, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You see, he's, he's telling us there's benefits. There are promises for believers and we have to recognize that they belong to us. We've got to get them down on the inside, plant them in our heart, believe those promises, confess those promises and grab hold of what God Purchased for us in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, is besieging the city of Samaria. They've got it surrounded. It's been months. And the people on the inside of the city are beginning to starve. There's actually cannibalism that's mentioned. Well, the king, he blames the prophet of God, Elisha. And he's actually going to get Elisha. And he said, we're going to kill that prophet. This is all his fault. I mean, a lot of people blame God for stuff God didn't have anything to do with. All right. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow, about this time, a seal of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seals of barla, barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. He says, tomorrow. In the middle of famine, tomorrow, this is God's word. This is God's promise. Tomorrow, you're going to be able to buy a loaf of bread for a penny. And they're they're paying to buy a donkey's head. They're paying to buy dove dung. They're paying to buy what we would absolutely not want to eat. And he says, tomorrow, you're going to get a loaf of bread for a penny. And the officer, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And the prophet said, in fact, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now he refused to believe. There was a promise, but he wouldn't believe. So there's four lepers outside the gate and they say to themselves, look, if we stay here, we're going to die. And if we go over to the Syrians, They might kill us, but they might feed us. Let's go check it out. So they get going. and They're on their way to the camp and, and somehow God multiplied their footsteps because as they're on the way there, the Syrian army hears what appears to be chariots, horses, and a multitude coming at them and they take off and run. They leave everything. And so the The lepers get there, and they look around, and they find all the stuff, and they begin to eat and partake, and they say, hey, we better go tell what happened. So they go to the gate, and they let them know what happened. The gates are open. This guy who said, if God were to open the windows of heaven, could such a thing be? He's there guarding the gate. He gets knocked down and trampled to death. Everybody else, they were getting their bread for a penny exactly what God said, but the one who didn't believe it, didn't receive it, And remember, everything we receive, we receive first of all, we receive it in our hearts. When uh, the angel came to Mary and gave her the promise of a child, this is what her aunt said to her, blessed is she who believed that there shall be a fulfillment of those things which were told her by the Lord. Do you believe that what God said is going to come to pass? Do you have a promise that you're grabbing a hold of and saying, God, I believe your word, right? And I'm hanging on to your word. And I believe no matter what I feel, no matter what I see, no matter what it looks like, I believe that there is no word spoken by the Lord that is impossible of fulfillment. In fact, the Weymouth translation says it like this. No promise from God will be impossible of fulfillment. If God promised it, he's watching over his word to perform it. Now, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And uh, we, we were not planning to do this. But uh, I want to give you a couple of promises right now. Psalms 103 says... He forgives all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. Mark 16 says, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Matthew 8 says that he, Jesus himself, bore your sicknesses and carried your pains and by his stripes, healing was purchased for you. So here's what I'd like to do. If you'd like prayer this morning and you say, I'm grabbing a hold of that promise for healing, that God is the Lord, my physician, the Lord, my healer, that he forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. If you're grabbing a hold of that, I want to agree with you in prayer. So I'm going to ask you simply to step out of your seat, make your way down front as quickly as you can. You say, pastor, I believe the word. I believe the promise and I'm grabbing a hold of that promise right now in Jesus' name. And I just want to agree with you in prayer. We're going to pray a general prayer. And then according to Mark chapter 16, I'm just going to come by. I'm going to lay hands on you. The, God's promise is they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if you're wanting prayer, whether you're in the balcony, wherever you're at, I want you to make your way down. If you're online... If we pray, I want you to be believing God to receive. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word tells us that you are the Lord, our physician, that you forgive all of our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. We thank you that Jesus himself bore our sicknesses, carried our pains and our diseases, and by his stripes, healing was purchased for us and we thank you that we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of your love and that you have qualified us to receive our inheritance our part of the promises of god so right now we come against sickness and disease And we bind you in Jesus' name. We declare right now, you are trespassing on God's property. And we command you, take your hands off God's people. We bind every spirit of infirmity. We bind every demonic attack. We bind you in Jesus' name and we command you, go in Jesus' name. We give you no place, no place. And Father, we thank you that your word declared. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And we thank you, Father, for the the anointing, the burden-lifting, yoke-destroying power of God flowing into every one of these lives, every one of these bodies, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.